0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With all 13 of our 2017 opponent preview shows behind us, the time has come to focus solely on our beloved Chicago Bears and look forward to the all-important season ahead. Can the Bears make a marked improvement, or will it end in disaster again? Lauren Cox from BearsWire.com joins us on the All Bears Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Can you feel it in the air? Uh, This is it. We have come to the end of the road. Everyone get your lighters in the air. What the hell am I talking about? Lighters. Nobody uses lighters anymore. Get your cell phones in the air. Goddamn technology. Ruining beautiful moments in concerts. This is the end of the road. Our 14th and final opponent preview, if you will of the Chicago Bears Review. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back to close the book on the offseason with a All Bears 2017 Bears preview episode of the show. Lauren Cox, our good friend from BearsWire.com, from USA Today, be on in just a few moments to uh, to join us and uh, preview uh, this team and um, the future of it. Um, we talk quite a bit about the the, the, the draft and the offseason season in general, we we talk very briefly about 2016, and we look at the schedule only because it scares the hell out of both of us, and uh, you know. But mostly, it's 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 the talking about just the disappointment. I mean, I've I've made no secret, obviously whatsoever, of how unhappy I am with the state of the team right now. And Lauren and I talk quite a bit about that, and we kind of put a a face on it as far as why exactly i kind of break down in in a little bit more specific as to why it is i feel the way i do about the about the team and um lauren is um lauren is on board with my thoughts and you know or at least can see my perspective and where i'm coming from uh we also finally get to hear from him why it is he was one of the few people that was excited to hear a quarterback being called on draft day uh even if he was more a fan of watson than trubisky and so on but um we spent a good chunk of time talking about uh, our beloved Chicago Bears, as we should. Uh, we saved the best for last in terms of the team that we love the best. And, um, you know, we talked plenty uh, about them. So no news and notes or, or anything like that. Uh, basically just wanted to do an intro because Lauren and I, we talked for quite a while. So buckle in, uh, Bear fans. Uh, we're going to cover the squad and, and, and talk about 2016, 2017, and with the and beyond and uh the state of the chicago bears as we head into training camp and uh just hope and pray that um you know six months from now when the season is over and we're looking back on it that we're a lot happier a lot happier than than we are now so uh you know, here's, uh, here's uh, you know, cheers to that. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and shut my trap because I'm about to open it for a good hour, if not more. Talking to Lauren Cox from BearsWire.com, previewing our beloved Chicago Bears. Our 14th and final preview episode of this offseason period brings an end to a very bittersweet period of the of the year for me. I, I love doing these shows, but I, I can't wait to get them done because then when I'm done, football season is just around the corner. And of course, we save the quote-unquote best for last, and the best being at least the one that we love best, being the Chicago Bears, our beloved team, and here to help us out with that, uh, Lauren Cox from BearsWire.com. Lauren, welcome back to the show. Uh, let's let's talk some Bears. I'm happy to be back. I always have a good time. Fantastic. So we'll touch briefly on, on, on 2016 because, number one, you and I have already had this conversation on the podcast when we reviewed the year right after the year ended. But we were talking just briefly before we got started here, and we were 3-13, and 13, legitimately one of the worst teams in the league, and you know we were going through the schedule, and it's like we were three and thirteen, but we sh- really should have been what, like eight and eight, nine and seven, based on the games that we could have won last year.
1: Yeah, they certainly left a lot on the field. It seemed like, especially after those first three games, you know, it, it was kind of like this year, as we're going to get into later in the show. It, it was a rough schedule to start on paper. You kind of saw some some playoff teams early on in the schedule. You're wondering how they're going to recover from that. But like one, after that Detroit Lions win, it kind of felt like things were going to get back on track, and then it started that stretch of games that really felt like they should have been wins and ended up as losses, and that was sort of the story of the season.
0: Yeah, so Houston, the first one right off the bat, we all want to go back in time and tell John Fox to challenge the spot on that Brock Osweiler fourth and one, because the video looked like he doesn't make it. If they don't make it, the Bears get the ball back, because what happens They give them the first down. Fox doesn't challenge it. Five plays later, they score the go-ahead touchdown, and we lose the game. Um, Philly, that was just a disaster. Dallas, another disaster, both on national TV, which was awesome. Uh, We win against Detroit. Then Indianapolis, that should have been a win. But, yeah, Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. that should have been a win, definitely. Um, We lost to Green Bay, which was a disaster from the start. Minnesota, Tampa Bay, no. The Giants... That the Giants is kind of pushing it, but we did start the game up 16 to nothing uh, in that one, and then we just let kind of just let it fall apart. Tennessee, obviously, that one should have been a victory. Josh Bellamy and Deontay Thompson both dropping touchdown passes that would have won the game for us. Uh, we had the lead on Detroit in the fourth quarter before we let them, before we let Stafford be Superman for the eighth time last season. Um, Green Bay, if we're playing to win instead of playing not to lose, we probably win that game as well. Knock on wood, we make the extra. I just would have been happy if we have tried for the two-pointer, man. Why Why give them the chance? <laughs> you know, why? why? I mean, the same thing might still have happened anyway, but at least we would have, you know, shown some balls and gone for it, but we didn't. We didn't play not to lose, and we end up losing. And then, you know, Washington and, and Minnesota, those were we got murdered in both of those games, so we never really had a shot there. But that's, what, five, six games, we should have been eight and eight, nine and seven, or could have been, or a a hell of a lot better than three and 13, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and there's some reason to be encouraged there and some reason to be discouraged there, in in my opinion. I think part part of me feels like, yeah, well, they were so close in so many games that they're bound to have luck and be better in those situations last year that sometimes, you know, games just don't go your way. But at the same time, I feel like, The Bears were in that situation with such a bad roster and and they still weren't able to overcome that the the thing that hasn't changed is going to be the coaching staff. And it felt like a number of those games were John Fox decisions, you know, late in the game or Mm -hmm. coaching staff decisions to have Josh Bellamy out there, to have Deontay Thompson out there. And you wonder, same coaching staff, same situations, is the outcome going to be different? We'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, there, there's an argument that could be made on both sides. I mean, with such a with such a depleted roster and, you know, we were so close in so many games, could that be credited to coaching? And then at the same time, some of those decisions ended up costing us games, which obviously goes against the coaching. It's it's an argument that can be made uh, on both sides, you know, and you can probably scream at the top of your lungs on either one and be right and wrong at the same time. It's just, it's just crazy what a year we had last year.
1: Yeah, and, and 2017 I think is going to answer a lot of those questions that – you know maybe that now that there's more talent we'll see how much of an impact the coaching staff is able to have on the players that they do have
0: well i don't know about you i mean we'll talk about the draft and all that kind of stuff but overall the offseason i was completely unhappy with um you know with with the salary cap space that we had the needs that we did have and from ryan pace's own mouth we need to go out and get a defensive impact player and you know i don't know if it was everybody saw how piss poor we were last year didn't take into account how bad you know the roster was because of all of our injuries or whatever, but it seemed like we settled for a lot of guys, as opposed to going out and getting a Stefan Gilmore and AJ Bouye, a, a Logan Ryan, or a Tony Jefferson, or you know anything like that on the defensive side, or even a, a Ricky Wagner, you know, to try to bolster the offensive line. These all these guys all took money elsewhere instead of entertaining an idea or entertaining an offer from Chicago. I mean, as far as I'm as far as I know, Gilmore is the only one that had serious conversations with the Bears.
1: Yeah, I I, I I had heard that they were in talks with Logan Ryan as well with the Patriots, but never really got very far along in those talks. And it did seem like Ryan Pace was just pretty hesitant to deal out too much money. And I, I do understand that more for the secondary than on the front seven. That that seems to be a higher bust rate in terms of free agents of guys getting big dollars to go to new teams. And then they're not a great scheme fit in that defense or they're, they're not – uh, maybe they're not as motivated now that they got a big contract, and then you see a lot of those guys look like wasted money. And it, it seems like the Bears have put that emphasis throughout Ryan Pace's tenure on the front seven with the idea that you build a better pass rush, you build a better run defense. It's going to put opposing quarterbacks in more difficult situations to have more difficult throws that hopefully maybe your lesser defensive backs are just have an easier job because of what you've been able to do with the guys in front of them.
0: Right. I mean, the thing is, it's just like last year, it seemed like Ryan Pace was a genius, like he was getting more bang for his buck. He was getting, you know, Darrell Freeman, Danny Trevathan, Akeem Hips, getting them to take, you know, probably not as much money as they may have been able to get it. Like it almost looked like they were able to sell these guys on the program that the Bears were trying to build. And then this year, it's like, we seem to have to, oh, not you, well, how about you? Not you, no, how about you? Like, no, no. And then, you know, we get Prince of Mukamura, who's on his third team in three years or however it worked out for Mm -hmm. him. Uh, You know, uh, Marcus Cooper, uh, uh, Marcus Wheaton, you know, these guys that a lot of Bear fans, including myself for a few of these guys, had to look them up to find out who the hell they were.
1: Yeah, you wonder if the same sort of, Direction is being taken by Ryan Pace this offseason like it seemed like first year and, the, and last year It's let's do everything we can to make the Bears a playoff team right now And then it seemed like this year especially with you know when after the draft and Ryan Pace kind of revealed that Hey, we like Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky the whole time here and that we that the whole plan this offseason was to get him it, it makes you wonder how much of even free agency Is planning on 2017 versus trying to make moves that are going to open you up for the future. I mean, obviously, he's not going to ignore the needs on the roster of right now and, you know, just build a team to tank in 2017. But at the same time, it kind of feels like, you know, you you sign a guy like Deion Sims to sort of take over for Zach Miller. He might be on his way out. You get a couple of these younger ish receivers. I mean, Wheaton and and Kendall Wright, they're both under 30. You kind of hope that they can maybe play themselves into more of a long-term future here after, you know, right on a one-year deal, Cruz on a one-year deal, although he's a little bit older yeah. and then Wheaton here on two years. And then same thing on the defensive side of the ball, Muka Mara and, and Marcus Cooper, they're both pretty young and they, they have some, some things to try and prove here. So it, it felt to me less like Ryan Pace is trying to go out and get pro bowl game changing talent to win right now and more saying, okay, you know what? Let's step back after three and 13 last year. We're not going to flip this into a 10 win team just yet. Let's, slow it down here, let's prepare more for the future and kind of get a few Band-Aids here for the biggest things entering 2017.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I do like about everything that he did was that, you know, when, when you step back and look at it, he didn't necessarily get the impact player that he was talking about at the, the end of the season press conference. I mean, that was something he said a few times. It was impact on defense, impact on defense. He doesn't go out and sign anybody that, could, that would be notated as an impact player. However, I do feel like we got deeper on, uh, on the roster as opposed to if we run into another disaster of a season as far as putting 16 or 17 of our players on IR, the next man up is going to be better than who it was last year.
1: Yeah, I can see the case for a lot more at least comfort in terms of the second and third guy on the depth chart. But at the same time, I look at these free agent signings, and they all kind of come with their own injury history baggage. You know, yeah. Kendall Wright, yeah. obviously, guy banged up in Tennessee. Marcus Wheaton had a knee injury in Pittsburgh. And Prince Amukamara, he's on his third team in three years because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Marcus Cooper hasn't really been able to stay healthy. I mean, Quentin Demps, I think, is the only one, and I, I think Deion Sims too, that have um, you know sort of your more solid consistently reliable players but a lot of these guys have those same injury question marks and it just to me it adds a little bit more of that if factor you know if prince Amukamara stays healthy if marcus wheaton stays healthy you know if Deion sims is able to you know there's all these things coming together that if all of those things happen this bears team might be able to do something this year but there's a lot of those ifs and it's pretty rare in the nfl that everything goes right in that kind of way
0: yeah i mean there's there's your um there's your you know, there's your six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I mean, a lot of these guys are 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 playing hungry this year because a lot of them are on these one year deals that we're talking about. Um, you know, even the, the linemen that we signed, the Bradley Sowell and the Tom Compton, uh, Jay Howard, who, you know, a lot of people like this could be the steal for the Bears if Howard turns out to be the player he was in 2015. You know, because 2016, like you said. He missed half the season with a hip injury or whatever. It was a lower body injury for sure. But he misses half the season with Kansas City last year. Signs a one-year prove-it deal uh, with the Bears. Same thing with Victor Cruz. I've, I've said a few times we're playing on hopes and dreams with Victor Cruz, hoping and dreaming he can be the guy that he was before he got hurt in, what, 20, 2013? 2014?
1: Uh, yeah, 14, I think. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. He
0: had a catastrophic knee injury. and you know, And he's claiming that he was also being held back last year. Uh, with the Giants. Like, he knew he could do more, but he wasn't being allowed to do it kind of thing. So, you know, all of these guys have something to prove which could increase what their output could be this year. But, um, you know, it also looks like we're trying to be the Raiders out there and we're taking everybody's outcasts and and trying to throw them, you know, put them in the the same uniform.
1: Yeah, it seems to me like Ryan Pace, you know, like from the beginning of his tenure, he's kind of said, you know, what you want to hear your GM say. We're going to build through the draft and we're going to supplement our roster in free agency – with sort of the idea that after a few years of drafting, you're going to build that foundation of players that you will no longer need to rely on free agency. And at least after this year, it starts to feel like he's starting to get closer to that in the sense that, like, You know, Nick Kwiatkowski is getting ready to become a starting linebacker, and maybe they move on from Danny Trevathan this offseason because his contract is pretty easy to get out of, and he's easy. You know, he's got the injury history. You look in the secondary, Mukamara is here on a one year deal. If he goes, if Kyle Fuller goes, maybe DeAndre Hall is ready to play corner. Maybe he moves to safety. Maybe Cravon LeBlanc is ready to start at corner. Even on the offensive side of the ball, you get sort of Trubisky behind Glennon so that you know, after a year, you can move on from Glenn and put your rookie in position to start. And I think the same kind of thing happened with like Cody Whitehair getting a little bit thrust in the lineup earlier than maybe Pace wanted to. But you're seeing a lot of these young guys starting to be in position to take over. Even Adam Shaheen is probably going to take over for Zach Miller in the very near future. Tariq Cohen and Jeremy Langford in the very near future. A lot of these guys are starting to be, you, you can see the writing on the wall for a lot of the free agents and the veterans that have been on this roster for a few years that Ryan Pace might be sort of in the near future phasing out for some of the younger players that he's been trying to build on the backside?
0: Well, pace is definitely molding this, this organization, this roster in his image. And the proof that I have is uh, a few months back, uh, a few weeks, not not too long ago, I was purging some, you know, stuff off of my computer and I found a, a document of, uh, of the 20, the 2013 or 2014 roster. At the 53-man roster right after final cuts, before, you know, I was doing my my end of the preseason show, and I went through that roster. Do you know how many guys were still on the team when I was looking at that?
1: Like, Oof, to, uh, so about I, a dozen.
0: Six. There were six guys from a team that was three years removed from the time that I'm reading that document. There are six guys still on the team, and I don't. I'm, honestly, right now, I don't know if that number is still the same. So, I mean, but that's definitely what's happened in the very short period of time that Ryan Pace has taken over. He has brought just about everybody on the roster that is on the roster, he has brought in to the team. So, I yeah. mean, there is very little... I mean, just to show you how, how bad the Phil Emery tenure was, there are, are there, what, maybe three guys left from the players that he brought onto the team still I'm, with the Bears? I'm
1: counting six. Six? I think still. I, I mean, some of them. Brian Pace has signed the contract. Like Brian Pace extended Zach Miller, so he was brought on by Phil Emery, but right. you know is paid. But but uh, Brian Pace, Kadir. I mean Zach Miller, Kadim Carey, Kyle Fuller, Lamar Houston, Willie Young, and Charles Leno are the six that I counted as all Phil Emery. Did you say signings. Kyle Long? Oh, I didn't even say Kyle Long. That would be that would be seven.
0: Okay. So yeah, you know. So this might have been 2013. Oh, and, yeah. You know, fewer guys from from the, it was 2013 or 2014. I counted six guys that were on that list that are still on the team now or whenever it was that I was reading this a few months ago. So, I mean, that is how quickly things have changed in the time that Ryan Pace. I mean, he has literally purged the roster, you know, because there are very few people that are still around, you know, and that, and that have been worth keeping from those from that roster that are still here. I mean, even people that you couldn't imagine being gone are gone, like a Robbie gold an Alshon Jeffrey, a Brandon Marshall, or, you know, um, and God forbid, Jay Cutler, all of those people are gone. Every last one of them gone. And, and very few of those guys still on the, uh, on the team. So, I mean, he's definitely been, been putting the work in reshaping this roster. And hopefully um, he's going to find the right combination that can start getting us, uh, getting us some wins. Cause this three and 13 stuff, man, I can't handle another season like that. You know, it, I just it's it was. I mean, it put gray hairs on me last year for sure. Oh yeah, so.
1: yeah. You, like you talk about him overturning Phil Emery's roster, and at first you're like, well, yeah, you want to get rid of a lot of players from those bad Phil Emery Bears teams. But you, you come to three and thirteen with, you know, even after all this turnover and all this change, that's supposed to be for the better, and you you wonder just quite how optimistic you can be for the future especially after a team like last year's
0: yeah so i mean the people that we that we got rid of just this past season jay cutler retired tracy porter gone alshon jeffrey in philly cornelius washington not a huge loss but he stayed in division he went to detroit uh brian hoyer and matt barkley for some reason went to san francisco together um ted larson's gone Willie eddie royal not a you know, it's another one of those. Just like you know, same with Antro Roll. It would have been great when he signed, but you know, if he couldn't stay healthy, so big deal after that. And then Will Sutton, Marquise Wilson, some more Phil Emery draft choices. They're both uh, they're both gone now. So I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean that's those are guys that all contributed and played, and they're all gone now. So I mean, this it's it's, uh, it's a whole new ball game with this with this roster because you know he's gotten rid
1: of you know what. 40-something players inside of three seasons. And you talked about like the idea of the Bears taking everybody else's cast off and the sort of trickle-down of the NFL. And I was just thinking, too, like, who who's taking the Bears' cast-offs? Because, I mean, you know, a young guy like Cornelius Washington goes and gets signed by the Lions. And, a couple, and Alshon Jeffrey, you know, the, the more younger, talented guys get signed away. But Tracy Porter didn't sign with anybody. Eddie Royal didn't sign with anybody. I mean, a lot of these sort of the banged-up guys that – maybe the Bears would take a chance on if they had left another team and were coming here. No no one is taking a chance on them after they leave the Bears in a 3-13 and season.
0: Yeah, that really, that says a lot, doesn't it? It's, 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 it's nothing, none of it's good. None of it is good. So, all right. So let's get to it, all right? I've been talking about it for weeks because I've been talking about, you know, who do I want to have on the show to do the Bears preview, okay? And this is a conversation I've been dying to have with you since March, when I was on Twitter watching you and your fellow Bears wire brethren and, and Brian and and your your podcast partner, uh, it's Doctor Phil, right? Well, I mean,
1: it, or that's it's, what he calls himself on Twitter. Yeah, he's not. He's not a. a I, real I know he's doctor. not an actual doctor, but as far <laughs> as like what he calls himself, yeah, yeah. Draft like, Doctor Phil. Atoshin draft Doctor Dr. Phil. There the you base. go.
0: Okay, I knew I was missing something in there. All three of you pounding the drum for the Bears to draft a quarterback. You know, I'm I'm reading tweets like it was either you or Phil that said it would be a dream scenario for the Bears to have all three quarterbacks to choose from at number three. And my reply to one of you was it's a it's it or oh, crap, what the hell did I say? You should be dreaming because that's not going to happen or, you know, it better be a dream because that's not, that's not reality. That's not what we should be doing. Tell me why you thought especially I mean, you guys were saying this after we signed Glennon. Why? hound the drum for the Bears to get a quarterback
1: now well from the start I mean part of it's just not being confident in Mike Glennon you know I mean he hasn't really proven that much as an NFL quarterback and it sort of doesn't seem like he 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 has a lot of reason to be excited as the long-term answer here but I think more of it was just the opportunity that the Bears had this year to be able to draft a quarterback because statistically I mean Drafting quarterback is often and, and most of the draft is a crap shoot. There's a lot, of, a lot of busts across the board at a lot of different positions. but you're more likely to have a lot more success drafting quarterback if you take him very, very early in the draft, generally speaking, the, the quarterbacks taken in the top five have been more successful than quarterbacks taken outside of it. And you know there are obviously plenty of exceptions across the board, but it, it's rare that you as a team have the position to take whatever quarterback in a draft you would like. You get 100% your choice of a crop of young players. And so if you have that opportunity at the number two, or I guess at the time, the number three overall pick, and there is a quarterback on the board that you deem is capable of changing your franchise and being the, the starter for the next 10 plus years, I think you absolutely have to take advantage of that, regardless of you know how the perception is about the quarterback class. I mean, if if you're sitting there as a general manager and you and you scout every single quarterback and, and don't feel like any of them are worth uh, you know taking that high in a draft and that they're just none of these guys can be game changers and can be your long term solution at the quarterback position. You don't take one, but you know Phil and I and Brian, we do a lot of draft work and we we identified multiple quarterbacks in this draft that are capable of doing that. I mean, there was a lot of perception that this was a, a terrible draft class and we generally disagreed we were all really high on Deshaun Watson and then I had Mitch Trubisky number 2 Phil Phil wasn't as high on Trubisky and Brian wasn't quite as either but they all I mean I think all four of us thought between Patrick Mahomes Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky you can get a starting franchise quarterback with the 3rd overall pick in one of those three guys and be happy for 10 years even if they're not all ready to start week 1 of their rookie year you give them a year on the bench behind a Mike Glennon and by year 2 you have a guy that can be that new face of your franchise just here's my thing. The reason why
0: that doesn't work for me is because I am of the, I'm of the mindset, the, the school of the, the, whatever, whatever you want to call it of, if you draft that quarterback, he has to play now. You know, I'm, I'm not in this whole developing and sitting for a year thing. I'm not a fan of that. I never have been, you know, I'm more of the, you know, I want to put him in there so he can be the next Peyton Manning kind of thing as opposed to sitting and waiting and you know and all that kind of stuff and in order to do that you have to have the team around him that's ready now we have a decent offensive line or at least the interior anyway we still have questions at the tackle position we have a jordan howard but we have no one for him to throw the ball to or at least at least no one of note for him to throw the ball to especially since alshon jeffrey is gone you know the defense still has holes it's just the team wasn't complete enough. Like we're not ready for Mitchell Trubisky. That was my issue about getting any quarterback, Deshaun Watson, Mahomes, Kaiser, any of them. And that is why I was hell bent on like, no, Glennon's the guy that will be able to help us get, get the, you know, because Pace still has a lot of work to do with this roster, let Glennon do the, do the job. He's a veteran. He's played before. He's been there. He's played on bad teams before. He knows how to handle this. He'll be the guy. Let him do it. And then we'll figure out the quarterback position later. God forbid next year when you know. I mean, you're the draft guy. So the quarterback's class is supposed to be much better next year, is it not?
1: Well, that's the thing about quarterback classes. Is it seems like every year they say the next year is going to be better. I mean, there there was reason to think that this this year was going to be great. If Josh Allen had come out from Wyoming, and you know, if these guys had continued to play a little bit better during the last regular season, this could have been seen as more of a stronger quarterback class. And even next year, a couple guys, Josh Allen and and Josh Rosen in the future, or I mean, excuse me, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, they both could stay in school uh, up to uh, two more years, and you could have really only one or two decent quarterbacks come out next year and have it be not as good of a class. But the other thing with that is even if it is a really strong draft class next year, if you sign Mike Glennon and, and say he gets you to, six wins next year i mean you know realistically you're gonna you're gonna improve from three and 13 but like you said this roster is not really built to be super successful around a quarterback just yet so it's not gonna be a, a a playoff team quite yet but you win six games and maybe you have the you know the 10th or 11th pick in the draft if if this is if it's a really strong quarterback class those quarterbacks are gonna go top five at bet you know the the, the really good franchise changing quarterbacks are gonna go top five so then in order to go get one of those, you have to give up more future assets, which is only going to hurt you in terms of building your team to be better around that quarterback that you're trying to draft. And obviously, you know, Ryan Pace did give up a future third round pick, and then I think, a, what is it, a fourth round pick and another draft pick this year to make sure that he got Mitch Trubisky. And that's obviously a whole other debate. But in the grand scheme of things, he really is only losing one draft pick because he got one back with trading down from the second round pick. But he didn't have to give up hardly anything to get this franchise quarterback he didn't have to sacrifice very much in terms of future assets to get the guy that he believes to be that future at the quarterback position and it's the same kind of argument for Mike Glennon that he can be the guy that does it this year he's used to being on bad teams he can be sort of that one-year bridge he, he's used to having a, a guy like James Winston coming in after him and really taking his starting job out from under him he's he's done this before he's been in the position with a young quarterback and he can handle sort of the pressure of, of having that behind him over his shoulders and it, it just seems like when you, when you sign a guy like that to what is basically a one-year contract with, with you know, it's a three-year deal but only the first year is guaranteed, it, it makes a lot of sense that he, he's ready. You know, he signs Glennon to just be that one-year guy, to let Mitch Trubisky learn and adapt because it's, you know, college quarterbacks nowadays, a, as good and as exciting as it is to get to, you know, see them in college and I, I'm excited about Mitch Trubisky's future – they aren't as pro-ready as they used to be because a lot of college passing concepts are really simplified. They don't have to do as much play calling. They don't have to do as much coverage reading because college defenses just aren't as talented. So these quarterbacks nowadays need a little bit more time to get ready regardless, even, even the great ones. And I think it's just more of, a, of an inevitability for a guy like Trubisky to need some time to develop to be able to be, to get rid of some of the bad habits and be the best quarterback that he can be.
0: Well, I mean, of the the major, the big four or whatever you want to call them, he's the one that has the weakest resume as far as time clocked in on the uh, on the field. Only thirteen starts or whatever it was uh, for him. But it's like out of the quarterbacks, to me, it was it had nothing to do with the player himself. I had nothing against Trubisky because truth be told, of those quarterbacks, he was the one that I actually liked the best. There was just something about him that about those those other ones. I think Watson is completely overrated. Uh, Watson has Vince young written all over him in my opinion, which is Those why are fighting I fighting words later which is why I didn't want him. That's what, be, because of the whole, you know, if he's probably going to play right away, he's going to be Vince young. He'll pre, be dynamic. He'll be special for a year then be, because he doesn't have anybody around him. Just like Vince young didn't when he was drafted to Tennessee, most of the heavy lifting he did himself, the NFL figured him out. And then what happened to Vince young? He, he went from being special to being mediocre to being unemployed. And I didn't want to see that happen to the Bears. I didn't want to see it happen to Deshaun Watson. You know, I just thought, like, I think Houston is a great spot for him because Houston is what I hope the Bears to be at some point. You know, they've got the, the team built around him. You plug him in, play him right away, and, you know, you're off to the races, I think, for Houston anyway. That's To me, that was the perfect situation for him, or even Mahomes in in Kansas City. Those are teams that are ready for, you know, I mean, I, he, Mahomes probably not going to play this year behind Alex Smith, but, You know, those are the types of situations you want a quarterback to come into. Or for the Bears, that's the position that I need them to be in before we start going off and getting, you know, a rookie quarterback and and, and things like that. It just, I just didn't think this, this, this. We need people that are going to help us now, and Trubisky's not that guy.
1: See, I just feel like Ryan Pace isn't looking at now anymore. I think he kind of gave up on the now after the 3 and 13 season well, I mean, and that's, said you know what
0: that's evidence you know and he's also he's also maneuvering himself like a guy who plans on being here for another 5 years when he's won mm-hmm. 9 games in the first 2 um so i mean it's i mean it, is ownership going to be patient enough to give this guy more time if we go out and have another double digit loss season
1: i i feel like he doesn't make the moves that he made this year this offseason if he didn't have assurance from ownership that he has more time. I think if if he if he felt like ownership was like you need to win in 2018 or, or 2017 or you're fired, I don't think he does. He does, makes the moves he made at least in terms of the draft with you know the small school players, the Mitch Trubisky in the first round. I think you see a very different off if he feels pressure to win to make the playoffs in 2017. But I feel like he was at least given some sort of job security for this year and and maybe beyond that to just say hey you know what Ryan, we trust you. You know, we know it's been bad, but we're not gonna we're not gonna become a, a turnstile at the GM position. We want to give you more time because we just fired Phil Emery after two years. You know, we don't want to start being this turnstile of, of general managers and become the Cleveland Browns in the process. But they already are starting to seem a little bit like the Cleveland Browns in terms yeah. of the way they're treated now. Yeah. Well, for,
0: as far as respect, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely disheartening to see. You know, hey, power rankings. Bear, you know, Cleveland thirty-two, Bears thirty-one. Fantastic. <laughs> that's, didn't have to wait long on that one, did I? You yep. know, it's like Jesus, man. I mean, you you can't argue with the results. I mean, it's hard to say that the Bears aren't the Browns of the NFC at this point. Um, it's it's you know, especially after last year, for sure. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I think maybe that's that's maybe that's what this is all about because it just seemed like a shift in what we were actually doing. And, you know, it it went from, you know, steady progress to, you know, winning now or or getting better now to this wait-and-see approach because we only drafted five players, and maybe Eddie Jackson is the, you know, I mean, actually, all of these guys are wait-and-see players as far as 2017 is concerned. Shaheen probably has the best chance of seeing the field right away. Mm-hmm. Eddie Jackson probably has the best shot at being a everyday contributor at some point. But but Cohen, he's a role player. He's not going to be a starting caliber NFL running back. And Jordan Morgan, does
1: he even make the team? I, I think he's got a spot. He's got, I mean, you don't take the dude in the fifth round unless you feel like this is a developmental offensive lineman that you can, you know, st- maybe, I, I don't know if they try and stash him on a practice squad, but I think, I think they 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 obviously met with him at the senior bowl worked with him at the senior bowl. They had good reason to take him. I mean, there was sort of the the best player available there. And if they thought he was the best player available in the 5th round, I think they're going to I think they're going to hold on to him. I think they have some long-term plan for him.
0: And then there's Trubisky.
1: Um, have you heard heard anything about his contract? I, I know Adam Hogue just put out a thing that he's fairly certain that Trubisky will sign the contract before training camp starts, but obviously that's all sort of assumption but i I tend to agree with that that the bears aren't going to jeopardize any second of mitch trubisky's development and let him somehow sit out and miss practices
0: yeah so that the the bear fans that like me that are pissed still pissed off about this don't burn the city to the ground when this kid starts to hold out um yeah that would that would not be a good look for um for that to happen if uh i mean is is it true that he's represented by bosa's people uh I don't know that off the top of my head now. Okay, cuz the, the you know, the first ever, the, the whole rookie cap was designed to avoid things like this and Joey Bosa misses the majority of training camp over the offset language thing. Um All of
1: training camp and 3 preseason games actually with with Bosa.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's right. Well, I guess that yeah, okay. Well, to me I still I considered preseason to still be training camp. I know they break camp after a while and they they try to get more into a uh, more of a game day routine, but I, I treat treated it. It's all training camp in my eyes, but, uh, so that's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think it would be, it'd be bad if Trubisky doesn't get into camp on time. So, um,
1: and it, it, I just, Gl- glance double-checked, and it doesn't look like Trubisky and Bolson have the same agent. Well, it might be the cool. same agency, but it's not the same guy. I, okay. I didn't look at the agency, but I saw the names, and they were different.
0: Alright, cool. So at least <laughs> that, that makes me feel a little bit better.
1: And Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love what the kid is saying, you know. Um, I've, it, I thought it was hilarious he put himself out there about the Bears making the playoffs uh, this year, and Kyle Long wants to have a word with him uh, about that. But, um, you know, he, he's saying all the right things. Yep. You know, I'm a bear, I'm I'm here to learn, you know, Glennon's the guy, but you know, not trying to rock the boat. This kid just wants to play. He wants to learn how to play, you know. And like I said, that's why I liked him. There was like I said, there was something about him that I like Trubisky over Mahomes and, and Watson and all. He just seems more more like the guy, like the guy, you know, and that's why like if we had to take one, I'm glad it's you know, I wanted it to be him. So I'm glad it's it was him that we ended up um getting. But I think that's, that's you know, what, 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 what the most disappointing thing was about was that, you know, we've seen progress as far as building the roster and the guys that Pace has gone to get have been contributors right away, even in the draft. You know, his first draft class, we drafted six guys, four of them played, one was Kevin White and the other one didn't make the team, the sixth rounder, the offensive tackle or whatever. But, I mean, four of your six guys making heavy contributions, that's huge. Uh, with your draft class we had something similar last year with leonard floyd and cody whitehair and you know and, uh, and everybody else uh, jordan howard making big marks on the team and then to go out and get a draft class full of guys that most likely won't see the field in 2017 was you know was kind of that's what i think most disappointment
1: was about uh, you know the more the more we talk about it though the more i'm starting to to question just how much these guys will see the field because I'm pretty confident that Mitch Trubisky is going to start a game this season, at least one at some point, because of either Mike Glennon being benched or the Bears being bad or Mike Glennon gets hurt and Mitch Trubisky has to go out there. I just think as much as they say Mike Glennon is our starter and is going to be our starter all year – the Bears coaching staff has been adamant about things in the past. You know, Ryan Pace said last offseason that we're building around Jay Cutler for the future. They said last offseason that the Bears are going to be a running back by committee, and that they're not going to really see one starting running back this year. We're going to see three guys all being rotated in. So you know, they say a lot of things, but they don't tend to come true. So I do think we're going to see Mitch Trubisky at some point. Obviously, we talked earlier about how Shaheen of of them seems to be the most likely to see playing time. I think Zach Miller might not make the 53-man roster this year. I think they might go just Deion Sims and Adam Shaheen. So I think we'll see a decent amount of him. And then I feel I feel like a guy like Tariq Cohen at least has the opportunity to compete to be that number two, number three running back They get him in on certain situations, passing downs, just being able to get him the ball in space, like kind of like a Devin Hester and just let him work sort of with his natural ability. Eddie Jackson and Jordan Morgan probably end up more like on the bench. But at least... As far as draft picks go, if you could get at least some playing time out of three of them, even if Trubisky and Cohen isn't much, that's at least something encouraging for the future, even if that might not be 100% the plan.
0: Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, um, I heard this shortly after the draft, the only thing that kind of made me feel better about it was the whole, you know, here comes Ryan Pace, he's got this pedigree of, you know, having a stamp on the team that was put together in New Orleans. Trubisky is his breeze. Shaheen's his Jimmy Graham, and Tariq Cohen is his um, Darren Sproles. So. I mean,
1: I I saw that too, and like I I like the idea of it. Yeah, but I don't I don't really see. I mean, as far as comparing those players, I think Cohen is the only one that's Cohen is similar to Darren Sproles. But I mean, in terms of an actual player to player evaluation, and I know that wasn't your point but like yeah. Shaheen isn't quite Jimmy I mean isn't the same physical athlete as Jimmy Graham and doesn't quite have the same Shaheen's a better blocker and just not nearly as fast or as at least developed as a receiver and then Trubisky's not really the same type of quarterback as Drew Brees, but I do like the idea that he identifies these sort of archetypes of I need my franchise quarterback. I got my franchise quarterback. I need a big receiving tight end that's young and, and is going to be, you know, that quarterback's security blanket and he got him. And you know, I I have my power running back and now I need someone who's explosive and shifty and different from him and I got him. You know, he's identifying the things that are important to him. Same kind of thing with the offensive line. You looked New Orleans really put a put more of a premium on the guard position than the tackles. They had what, Jari Evans and uh, the other guy that went to, to Tampa Bay. I mean, they invested more in those interior positions than the tackles. So you're starting to at least see the direction and the plan and some of the reflection of what he had in New Orleans, that, you know what, there is a direction here.
0: Right. So, I mean, overall, you know, it's – I wasn't happy with the draft. And, and like I said, I'm I, I guess it's more my impatience than anything if you sit back and you look at it because – you know, these are all good players. Um, they all had good college uh, careers. Eddie Jackson, you know, winning national championships from the injured reserve list, but winning national championships in Alabama. Uh, Cohen, you know, being a stud is you know on, on his team. Uh, Shaheen, you know, Ashland College being a second round pick. I mean, the kid's got to be a stud, right? And then Trubisky, you know, doing what he does in in North Carolina to get themselves drafted. But it's it's just that we went from. The disaster that was um, Tressman. We get John Fox. We go six and ten, but we look a lot better at six and ten. We're a lot more competitive. We're getting in there. We're getting. We're getting our fingernails dirty and everything like that. We're scraping out a win at at Lambeau on Brett Favre jersey retirement night. You know we're going to make some moves in in the off season in 2016 is going to be better. Instead, it was worse. You know we had more injuries, more bad play, more bad luck, and so on and so forth, and we're, I'm tired of it. I want the Bears to win, for Christ's sake. I mean, I don't need them to win a Super Bowl. It would be great, but I would like to not be bottom dwellers and stop being in the last 5% of the, of the, the, uh, the power rankings. I mean, it's, it, it bugs the crap out of me to see us down there with the company that we keep down there the 49ers the browns you know all the rest of them down there the, the other laughing stocks of the NFL i don't want my team down there anymore and i don't feel like we made the moves that are going to get us out of there now
1: yeah and i'm glad you mentioned that the 2015 season and you know scraping by some tough wins cuz we talked earlier about 2016 and all those games the bears should have won that they were within You know, three to seven points. It was a one-possession game, and the Bears didn't weren't able to come out on top. And I was just looking back at the 2015 season, and you know they beat the Raiders by two and the Chiefs by one in week four and five back to back. I remember I was at that Chiefs game when Jay Cutler threw that game-winning touchdown. It was insane. But they followed that up with. Losing to the Lions in overtime by three, then uh, then after the bye week losing to the Vikings by three. You know they beat the Chargers by three, then they later lose to the Broncos by two in a yeah. great game by Jeremy Langford. I remember they beat the Packers by four, like you mentioned, then lose to San Francisco by six, lose to Washington by three, and then and the last week of the season they lost to the Lions by four. And so th- that's sort of where I feel like the 2018 season or sorry, excuse me 2017 season is going to be sort of back like that 2015 year where like last year. The Bears blew it in all their close games, and it seems like in 2015 they won a few of them, but they also ended up blowing quite a few of them. So I think I th- I, don't, I didn't add them up as I was saying them here, but I, I would say they're probably like what four and four ish in those games decided by seven or fewer that year. I didn't I didn't count them all up, but somewhere around 500 in those close games, and I feel like that's sort of what I'm going to expect from 2017 that mm-hmm. the Bears are going to be in it most weeks, but they still finish six and ten because they couldn't convert enough of those close games. And they couldn't put themselves over the top because of what, whatever reason. Maybe there's injuries. Maybe there's more coaching decisions. But one thing or another, never everything isn't quite all put together at the same time with this Bears team yeah. consistently in, in this regime yet.
0: Yeah, and I I just, I, I just, I, just, I just so badly want to to win more games. You know, I just, I just want to do. I mean, we won three games last year. Um, you know i mean the third game against san francisco i mean we would have had to really been bad to lose to that team last year they were awful last season and then they come into the worst possible conditions that that team could possibly be playing in and jordan howard just goes buck wild on them all you know and three touchdowns and and smashing them and, and and all that kind of stuff it just and it's very difficult to do this show when you lose almost every game that you do. You know, it just yep. it gets really tough to talk about, well, we blew it again or yeah. we didn't do that or we sucked that, you know, like especially the last two weeks, forty one to twenty one, thirty eight to ten. We didn't have a shot in either of those games. There's not a whole lot to talk about, you know, when you just get your ass handed to you the last two weeks of the season. And it sent a sour taste in everyone's mouth after that year. But the one thing that I think we can be somewhat optimistic about is can we really be that that unlucky with injuries for a third freaking year in a row? I mean, is that even mathematically possible?
1: You know, I'm not going to rule it out just because <laughs> you know, not only not only is it technically mathematically possible, but you add in the injury history of the free agent signings, guys that you're yeah. relying on now. Yeah. And then you, you add on top of that that these injuries are still lingering from last year, that Danny Trevathan's not going to be ready to go. Kyle Long might not be ready for training camp. At least he could be back for the regular season and all that. Josh Sitton is still banged up. Jeremy Langford had ankle surgery. And I saw somebody, one of the NFL guys, I don't remember who, was a sort of a smaller analytics site. He did some study about injuries and how when guys suffer injuries in – june july and august before the season start there's an overwhelmingly high correlation to them suffering additional injuries in the regular season that you know guys that are healthy all offseason tend to stay healthy through the regular season more but if a guy suffers an injury in the preseason or in training camp it's it's overwhelmingly likely that that injury is going to continue to bother them through the season and they're gonna miss more games than guys that weren't injured before the season so when i see guys like you know, Trevathan still coming back, and and Long still coming back, and Langford still coming back. It just it makes me cringe that these injury issues. You know, are, are those guys going to have re-injury stuff? You know, if if Pernell McPhee is still recovering from his knee stuff, if his knee's not quite 100. percent I know he lost some weight and some stuff like that. You know, is he going to be ready to go? Is Kyle Fuller even alive Any, I mean, have we yeah. heard much from Kyle Fuller? I mean, all these guys that you know, you're. I just feel like injuries are going to start adding up there. Maybe not 19 on IR again, but. Maybe ten on IR, and if those ten guys are in important players, it, yeah, you get back to where you were a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that glimmer of hope there with your your <laughs> yeah, analytics
1: been, and your statistics, just pissing right
0: on my head, dude. I appreciate yep, it.
1: Been a very negative, uh, pessimistic, and we haven't even gotten to the strength of schedule on paper oh, yet. But well, I'm, let's tried, go ahead
0: and dive right uh, into
1: it then, because uh, yeah. that was
0: our next uh, mode. Uh, you know, we we talked briefly uh, before the show, and a question I posed to you was um you know that was speaking of analytics and statistics when the schedule came out um that was a graphic that they threw up there was strength of schedule for the first eight games the bears were in the top three or something like that uh, of as far as strength of schedule for the if they weren't number one they were up there i believe if they weren't number one they're in the top three or the top five one of the two for the for the strength of schedule for the first eight games uh, of the of the season Home for Atlanta, the Falcons, the defending champs, probably still pissed off about that Super Bowl. So we get to play them first. That's awesome. On the road (laughs) to Tampa Bay, who's, you know, gearing up to be one of those teams that is a step away from being special. So great. We get to be their home opener this year. Home for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which in and of itself is a tough challenge. But here's what makes it worse. After we get done playing this team that is known for being, you know, grind it out, run the ball, beat you down, you know, knock down, drag out football, we're on a short turnaround to go to Lambeau and play Green Bay on Thursday night. Now, the last two seasons, we've started 0-3, and and those four games alone could easily have us at 0-4 going into that Monday night game against Minnesota Week 5.
1: Yeah, if I can try and put an optimistic spin on this... Go ahead. I mean... A, I start with the Atlanta Falcons. There is a tendency for the Super Bowl loser to then follow up the previous season with at least a little bit of a dud. I mean, I'm not going to I mean, I'm I'm betting if I'm betting my money on that game, I'm putting it on Atlanta, but at least you know, no one really has tape on Mike Glennon from the last 2 years. He could step out week 1 and show some things that no one has seen before and from him and maybe some of your receivers are playing well and you have a fully healthy Bears team and maybe Maybe you could surprise the Atlanta Falcons that saw the Bears more as a a three and thirteen that maybe they could overlook a little bit, maybe not take as seriously as they might normally would. They have a new offensive coordinator. They lost sort of their their genius there. So maybe maybe there's a shot there. And maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, they revamped their offense with some real young playmakers. But their defense isn't necessarily lights out by any means. And, you know, it's not as though Jameis Winston always plays the top of his game. He has some up and down games where he'll he'll have some Jay Cutler moments with, you know, piling up interceptions in some games. So maybe maybe you get some turnovers there and build on some momentum from the Falcons. Maybe Mike Glennon knows a thing or two more about the Buccaneers defense, and maybe the Buccaneers aren't quite as prepared for Mike Glennon as he, as he is for them. And then even a team like Pittsburgh, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger misses games quite a bit with injury. I mean, you never know if a guy like him could be hurt early on in the year something gets banged up the week before you have a shot there at least and then a lot of times anything can happen against the green bay packers right. I mean that you know what i mean there's 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 reasons there to, to be at least not like oh we're screwed for four games as much as as much as it might seem unlikely that you're going to get a win there i can at least find reasons to be optimistic against some ter- some pretty tough opponents on paper
0: right considering i think our last couple of victories against green bay have come in Green Bay I mean there's some reason for optimism uh, on that front it's the short turnaround after a game with Pittsburgh that makes me nervous about our chances in Lambeau Um, the the, you know and you know with the Falcons if memory serves the last time the Falcons opened the season in Chicago we beat the piss out of them Uh, they weren't the defending NFC champions when they did it but um, 2010 they were number one in the NFC before they got eliminated by Green Bay in the divisional round. So they were supposed to be one of the teams in 2011, and the Bears just ran them, ran them into the ground. So there's that. I mean, it was four years ago, six, six years ago.
1: Jesus Christ, where does it go? Seven, wasn't it 2010?
0: It was 2011, first year oh, of 2011. But, um, you know, and like you said, we, you know, we were talking, like I said, we were talking before, and, you know, of those four games, based on the teams and who they are, Tampa Bay is probably our best shot on paper, that's probably the team that we have the best shot with, but you know, week one, that's a crazy week, man. I've been doing a pick league with a bunch of friends of mine for years. And week one is always that week where everyone was, you're either 14 and two or you're like seven and t- nine, six and 10, just because like what Buffalo beat Chicago in Chicago. What are you crazy? That's not supposed to happen. Or, you know, the other crazy things that happen uh, uh, you know, on, on week one uh, schedules and stuff. So, I mean, Stranger things would have happened than the Bears winning a home game against, uh, you know, to, to open up the uh, the season. But it's like, you know, just based on who the Falcons were and who the Bears were last season, there's no way you're taking the Bears to win that game, man. No, even if it's no. at home. So, um, but it's like we've got two national TV games and they're back to back. Week four on the road at Green Bay on Thursday night, and then week five at home. Uh, against minnesota which a, was a revelation of a game last year to watch jordan howard do that to the vikings and you know none of us knowing at the time that this was the beginning of the vikings downward spiral uh last year it just looked like we just beat the crap out of one of the best teams in the league uh at the time but week five home for minnesota on monday night at baltimore always a tough place to play home for the panthers at the saints for the last uh the last uh, four games there so Yeah. It Yikes. doesn't doesn't get any easier. I mean, I think the the, the one question I asked you before was or, or the one statement I made was we won't be favored to win any of those first eight games. We'll be the underdog in every single one of those first eight.
1: Yeah, especially if they lose, you know, once they start losing them, then their their chances of being, oh, for sure. being the underdog just increase. You know, like yeah. on paper right now, realistically if, if it was Panthers-Bears in Week 1, you know, you have a shot there, especially yeah. know, if it was later in the season and the Bears had won some games. But if the Bears start zero and 4 they're going to be the underdog in every game pretty much for the rest of the year, except for the 49ers game and maybe the Browns game later on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when, I, when the schedule came out back in April, and I was doing my schedule release show and I was talking about it, the, 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 the analogy that I gave it was, you know, the Bears are going to have to treat this schedule like a boxing match okay they're gonna want to weather the storm in the early rounds being the first eight games of the season maybe try to steal around here and there because it's the last eight games where the bears could really make a move because we have four of our six division games the browns and the 49ers in that second half of the schedule i mean we could really pick some things up in that second half as far as teams we've got a shot to beat. I mean, first we got Green Bay at home, then Detroit at home. First game against them in late November, mid-November, the 19th of November at Philadelphia. Home for the 49ers, ironically, on the same weekend for the third year in a row. Wow. Like, almost to the day. I mean, uh, I had no idea. Yeah, it was three years ago December, or th- three seasons, two seasons ago, whatever. December or December 5th, week 13. Last year, December 4th, week 13. This year, December third, week thirteen, the same weekend, wow. three years in a row, and I was like, "Who did San Francisco <laughs> piss off
1: to have to go to, chi-
0: yeah, to, to go to yeah to go to Chicago three years in a row in December?" I mean that sucks, but um, yeah, so that's the third quarter. Home for Green Bay, home for Detroit, at Philly, home for San Francisco. So three out of four at home. Forty ers the only team in the NFC worse than us, and two division games against Green Bay. Uh, and Detroit, and then you got Philly uh, on the road, and they're kind of a wild card at this point. I mean, are they going to be as good as they were in the first half of the season, or the the, the kind that kind of crap their pants in the second half of the uh, of the year?
1: Yeah, that's that's a stretch of the schedule. That's sort of like it's sneaky in the sense that like you can see where oh you know two home division games maybe you maybe you snag both of those, and then if Philadelphia's struggling, you could get three in a row there, or you could have the Bears come completely flat out of the bye week, get just pounced by the Green Bay Packers, knocked off the board, and then they kind of stumble and take on the Lions, and maybe you sneak a win they, away there, and then maybe the the Eagles are playing well again, and they kind of rock you too, but it, it's one of those stretches that could be 4-0, and or it could be 3-1 and even, I mean, you never know, you have to assume the San Francisco game is going to be a, a win, but you never know if somehow, for some reason, Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers unlocks what what Logan started to get out of brian hoyer or maybe he figures out matt barkley and they somehow start winning some games with the 49ers i mean you never know yeah. in uh in july here
0: yeah so i mean yeah that's that's the beauty of all of this i mean none of it could mean anything by the time the season uh starts rolling around I mean, the nfl has a funny way of doing that just about every single year um you know i was like i can't even tell you how many times i've done my my picks that stick show at the end of the year where I make my predictions and this is what the Super Bowl is going to be and then neither one of those teams makes the playoffs so you know <laughs> it happens every year that uh you know like well at least one of my teams made the made the playoffs the other one was 2 and 14 and has got the number 1 pick in the draft so i mean there's 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 shows what the hell i know or that you know what people experts say about about football so but i mean that's what i was saying you know in the er- the early rounds being those first four games if we were three and five, I'd be ecstatic. After the eight games that we have in front of us to start the season off with, if we could steal wins in, in that first eight games, because like I said, we're not going to be favored to win any of them. Like you said, if we if we start off zero and two, we're going to be underdogs for the rest of those six games, without a doubt. And you know, the second half of the schedule is where things conceivably ease up. You got home games against division opponents. Um, you got the, we got at Cincinnati, at Detroit, then home for Cleveland. That's the, the finale at home. And then on the road at Minnesota for the third year in a row for some reason. But, um, you know, it's like the schedule eases up as far as the familiarity with our division opponents and then some pe- like the few teams on paper that we're actually supposed to be able to beat are in that second half of the schedule.
1: Yeah. And when you look at that second half compared to the first half, I wonder if that's not set up pretty nicely for Mitch Trubisky to play in that second half of the season like maybe you start one and seven or two and six in those first eight games and you hit the bye week and you're like well we know what Mike Glennon is and he's not winning us ball games and, and maybe you even keep Glennon out there for Packers and Lions and Eagles and you know it's, you say okay Mitch Trubisky it's December why don't you go beat the 49ers get real confident we'll give you a test with the Bengals and the Lions there then you can go beat the Browns and Maybe you can surprise us and, and beat the Lions in Detroit or beat Minnesota on the road or even Cincinnati, but you know at that point you're three and eight or three and seven or whatever, and you're obviously kind of packing it in for 2017 at that point. And then Mitch Trubisky p- puts a couple wins under his belt, looks pretty good, and has some confidence and some experience now going into 2018. I feel like that is sort of the the plan here, despite this idea that Mike Glennon is going to start all seven, or all 16 games because if you're if you're three and ten, what's the point of having Mike Glennon beat the 49ers for four and ten, and to have Mike Glennon beat the the Cleveland Browns for your fifth or your sixth win at that point in the season? Is that really helping you more than letting Mitch Trubisky try and win those games when the playoff is when the playoffs are already out of the picture at that point? I mean, that's a little bit pessimistic, but like True. you said, there's yeah. no there's not much to be favored of in that first half, and if you're well below 500 at the midway point of the season you you start to look ahead to 2018 instead of 2017 which it seems like Ryan Pace is already doing.
0: True. Yeah, you're right. And um, you know, like I said, that was the that was the bitter pill as far as what he actually did with the draft itself was that it it did, it did look like he wasn't trying to to influence what was going to happen in 2017 and looking ahead, you know, because because the lower school the smaller school guys and then drafting a quarterback and you know one that we know is probably not going to play right away it's like what about 2017 you seem to be forgetting that we actually have a season this year and you know gears you're looking at 20, 2018 2019 you know with these guys that you're picking what about now because even the guys that you signed in free agency you know don't look like they're going to help us win many more games than we won last year so i mean i think you know i've said it before and it's just that's that's what's been so frustrating about this this off season it's that you know he's looking ahead while the rest of us are like dude you know we have to watch you play 16 games this year and as a fan i didn't have fun doing that i don't want to do it the same way
1: again yeah and i think that's sort of the ripple effect of of hitting rock bottom if you're going to i mean if i 3 and 13 should be rock bottom and it's hard to turn around from rock bottom to you know immediate success the right. year after and i i do think that it's sort of that that ripple effect that one bad season can't just be one bad season when you have when you end up hitting reset I mean some of that I think is Ryan Pace's own decision to and I'm sure John Fox is involved in that as well that you know to to let Alshon Jeffrey go you could have re-signed him and, and had a more competitive roster this year you, you choose not to re-sign Jay Cutler or any of your other quarterbacks you choose to sort of go with the rookie it was sort of this this conscious choice you had these things on this roster you had veterans that you chose to move on from some of them you needed to move on from some of them you really didn't and they, they sort of chose this direction before free agency even started. And it, it did kind of seem like it, it was a pretty immediate give up on, on 2017. It wasn't yeah. as though, you know, like in, in the the past couple of years, it's, we're making that big push for this year and then we'll make some other picks that are going to be good for the long-term future. But we're really pushing for this year and now it was very much the exact opposite.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's probably what stung the most uh, of this offseason was like, you know, the draft picks, I mean, even the draft picks that we made, you know, Kevin White, that's going to be our Brandon Marshall replacement. He's going to play now. Um, uh, who was it in the second? Eddie Goldman. We need a nose tackle. That's going to be our guy. He's going to play now. You know, Horonus Grass, who was ended up forced into action and he ended up, what do you think's going to happen with that guy? I mean, because is there a spot on the roster for him now? I mean, with the way Cody Whitehair played, that's our center for the next decade. That's the guy, you know, I mean, but even if it isn't, where's Cody Whitehair going to go? We got to push him out to tackle? He's too small to be a tackle, isn't
1: he? I mean, if if I'm general manager slash head coach of the Chicago Bears, I'm putting Kyle Long back at offensive tackle because I think he's he's the one that's built for it more than anyone else. And then maybe I either put Grasu at guard or Whitehair at guard and the other one at center. But yeah, Grassew, he doesn't have guard experience, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. And I do think they're going to hold on to him as that backup on the interior and Maybe, you know, some, something happens and they do have to make a shift. You know, if like if Charles Leno gets hurt or if Bobby Massey gets hurt, are you are you going to put Bradley Soule or Tom Compton in the game there and have them be your starter off at offensive tackle? I mean, I would be more inclined to move Kyle Long over there and then bring a guy like Grasso into the starting lineup in order to have your best five offensive linemen on the field. Whereas, you know, Grasso gives you that flexibility there on the interior if you're willing to move a guy like Long to tackle. But if you're not then I don't know how much more Grasso gives you than a guy like Eric Cush gives you on that interior. It's just a, a guy that can do some center, can do some guard, and has some at least spot-starting capabilities. But it's definitely, at least it's a good problem. At least we're at the point where the Bears have multiple good backup interior offensive linemen. It's not yeah. like the offensive lines of your pass where it's like, oh, God, who's going to start at guard this week? At least now, if Josh Sitton gets hurt, Grasu's in, and you feel pretty comfortable about, where you're into your offensive line is but you know I, I would much rather have that problem than the other way around
0: yeah for sure so it kind of got me off my my point there it's just you know with those drafts 2015 Jeremy Langford, Eddie Goldman Kevin White as far as like the plan when you saw these draft picks 2016 Leonard Floyd Cody Whitehair was supposed to be a contributor um you know uh, Jordan Howard we we didn't think he was going to be a starter but we knew he was going to play he was going to be good we got a steal in him in the 5th round that's what we were saying even before the kid actually took the field you know we're excited about what he's going to do Kwiatkowski people were excited about him we felt like we're building and then this year it's it's you know just to you know I know I keep talking about it but it's just like that's what it felt like and that's why there's kind of this cloud hanging over um the off season
1: for sure i i totally agree that it's sort of a self-inflicted, you know, you're kind of taking the loss. At least it it feels like, you know, there's there's reason to be optimistic about, you know, some wins this year. If Mike Glennon plays well and, you know, can throw for 3,000 yards and 15 touchdowns, I mean, that's a fantastic move by Ryan Pace that deserves, uh, you know, a a standing ovation because then you can trade Mike Glennon, get compensation for him, you have your quarterback ready behind him. I mean, there's, you can see at least the the path to wins in 2017 even if maybe it's not as good of a path as you I mean it's not as though they completely abandoned 2017 there is still some, some right. there's young players to like there's there's reasons to be optimistic about some wins this year even if that might be a little bit um hopeful or or you know a little bit more more optimistic than than maybe reasonable
0: true I mean and that's the other thing that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle is that we still have Eddie Goldman? We still have uh, Jeremy Langford. We still have Jordan Howard. We still have you know year two of Leonard Floyd. Will he be able to make the jump this year? Because the the potential that he showed last season, it's like man, we really could have something on our hands here. You know, you get some meat on that kid's frame and teach him how to block without putting his head down and getting his block knocked off. Um, he might actually be something special i mean if we can teach the kid how to tackle properly so he's knock himself unconscious anytime he he runs into somebody leonard floyd's going to be special and then you know Kwiatkowski, we might have we might turn this kid into somebody special simply because we designed danny trevathan who can't stay healthy you know him and jerrell freeman out there they they did well for us uh last year so i mean that's the other thing that that's kind of being forgotten and admittedly i've been doing that is that you know we still have these younger players who are going to be playing and still building and we still don't know what we have in Kevin White we get year number 3 to try to figure that out and um, you know there is reason to be somewhat optimistic but as far as the big picture and everything it's it really does seem like we're already packing it in for for 2018 so um you know i guess that that's that's the part that's that's most frustrating for it, is that we as bear fans have been suffering through this decline or or whatever you know, this consist. I mean, even with Lovey, they weren't all winning seasons, but at least the Bears were in it. You know, the Bears are playing well. We had reasons that, you know, we were, you know, with this far away from being special or elite or whatever. We had something to be optimistic about. And ever since Lovey was let go, which Brian Urlacher calls the Lovey curse, because we- we're screwed because we fired Lovey. But, you know, (laughs) we suffered, you know, the best season we've had is eight and eight. The first season that Trestman was in, then 2014 was a disaster. 2015 had, you know, sparks of, of, you know, of electricity, but ultimately wasn't that good. And then 2016 obviously was awful. It's just, you know, the patience of a Bear fan having to suffer through all of this. It's wearing thin, you know, it's wearing thin. And it's just like, we need to win some games, dude. We need to win some games. And it, uh, it didn't look like that was the. The plan after the what's taken place this off season.
1: yeah. And you know, speaking of the, the Lovey Smith curse, and but Brian Urlacher mentioned he's like they fired Lovey Smith on a ten and six season, and he was talking about how that was pretty at least in, inflammatory in his eyes. And I I kind of agree in the sense that like a lot of Bears fans at the time were happy. They're like, oh yeah, you know, Lovey Smith is gone, and you know, we're 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 di- we're done with all that mediocrity. Let's get this. Let's get someone in here and let's let's win championships and let's take this team to the next level. And now. I, I think every single Bears fan would trade at least last year and maybe the first couple years of John Fox and both years of Mark Trestman for some nice nine and seven, 10 and six Lovey Smith seasons, <laughs> you know yeah. what they, what was being celebrated with Oh, Lovey Smith is gone. Oh, you know, the, the witch is dead. Long live, long live the Chicago Bears. Now yeah. it's, I'll take that. I, I'll take. I'll take nine wins. That'd be cool. I don't like you said. I don't need to make the playoffs. I just want to win some games, and that's yeah. a very different tune than it was in 2013. I well,
0: think. I mean, I would also like to go into a game on Sunday knowing I have a chance to win the game. You know, aside from the whole it's the NFL and anything can happen. Obviously, we have a chance to win every game on the schedule, but realistically, on a week-to-week basis. We can't beat the Falcons. The, the, we're not as good as the Buccaneers. We're not as good as the Steelers or the Packers and so on and so forth. And, and it didn't used to be that way when Lovey, was the, when Lovey was the coach. Like, man, we can do this. We got a defense. We can stop these guys. We'll be all right. And we can score some touchdowns because that's always the issue with Lovey's team. We were awesome on defense, sucked on offense. Like, we scored some touchdowns. We're going to be all right because the defense is going to do its job and, 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 and all the rest of that. It's just not that way uh, you know, anymore. It's like, we're, we're trying to rebuild this defense, but we can't keep anybody healthy long enough to make any progress on that side. Cause it did seem, that was one thing we didn't have to worry about with
1: lovey was serious injuries. Yeah, that's true. A lot so, of guys, I mean, warriors, iron men on a lot of those rosters. Yeah.
0: So, and there was one thing, it was Aaron Rogers of all people. I was watching on that short lived bill Simmons series on HBO. He had, uh, he had Aaron Rogers on the show and talking about how in 2012, the last year that lovey was the, was the coach was it all came down to the Packers and Vikings, that last game of the season. If the Vikings win, the bears are in the playoffs and green Bay doesn't and all the rest of that. And then he kind of broke down what could have happened. And it made me sick. Okay. Because if, if the bears or excuse me, if the Vikings beat the Packers, the bears are in the, in the playoffs. Um, lovey probably doesn't get fired because he's made the playoffs. Uh, Erlacher probably doesn't retire. And who knows what happens. Because obviously, Lovey's going to bring Erlacher back. He's going to do that. Or at least he's going to lean on Phil Emery until he does uh kind of thing. So Lovey doesn't get fired. Erlacher doesn't quit. Especially doesn't have that horrible exit from the team the way that he did. And then who knows what happens You know, after that. Maybe Lovey, you know, maybe we do let Lovey go after 2013 when his contract would have expired, but we would have had one more year and, you know, all the rest of that stuff. I mean, who knows how this franchise turns out if any of that happened.
1: Yeah, and you could even take that one step farther back. I mean, the Bears won their last two games in 2012 to put them at 10-6, and but that Week 15 game against the Green Bay Packers, if Chris Conte covers Randall Cobb on that deep touchdown on the last play of the game, if Julius Peppers decides to go around John Kuhn instead of just letting himself get blocked out of the play, if any of those, if that one play changes in Green Bay and the Bears beat the Packers, they're 11-5, and five. they make the playoffs in the same set of hypotheticals you talked about. It's, one play.
0: It's, it's yeah, it's, oh God, just so many things. And then if you just think about 20, 2013 for a second, um, Chris Conti again, um, the one player who didn't get the audible uh, on the defensive play, and Randall Cobb is so wide open, he has time to stop and wait for the ball to get to him before he catches it and strolls into the end zone for a touchdown. Um, if everyone doesn't stand around, like that never would have happened if Lovey was the coach. When 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 Peppers knocked the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand and everyone's standing around looking at it, and then yep. I think it was even Randall Cobb who picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. Like that never happens if Lovey's the head coach of the team. He's screaming for someone to go get the ball. Someone goes and gets the ball, but instead it sits there. Someone picks it up, takes it in for a touchdown. That's end up being... The difference in the game was were those two plays right there. So the,
1: the joys of being a Chicago Bears fan,
0: indeed, indeed. I know everyone that's listening is all warm and fuzzy inside, reliving those moments in their mind. Uh, right now. And they're warm and fuzzy because they're in their bathrooms vomiting right now. So it's, <laughs> you know, all that all the heat from, you know, the regurgitation is, is what's
1: yeah. going on right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So, sweating a little bit. I'm, yeah. I'm sweating. That's for yeah,
0: sure. it's Yeah, I think I'm going to have to run to the bathroom myself just thinking about it again. So the good news is, uh, when I talked to the Tampa Bay guys a couple of weeks ago, uh, they hate Chris Conte just as much as we do. So um, Some things never change. Yeah, and, and they are just as thrilled that the Buccaneers, for whatever reason, re-signed him. So, they they had <laughs> and then I, I quote they had the they they had his ticket his bus ticket out of town all ready to go, and then the Buccaneers re-signed him so they were they were pissed off about that so and, and
1: Lovey Smith wasn't even there to, to sign the contract
0: no that's the other thing it, it was it's not you know Lovey rehashing his his guys I and mean, this is the Buccaneers legitimately bringing that guy back so
1: yikes uh, yeah yikes. Maybe, maybe the Bears do have a chance Week Three maybe that Week Two. Week two, week two, yeah, on the yeah, road. There you but go, yeah, yeah. If if, so. if Chris Conti's out there, you can never rule it out.
0: Yeah, you know, just uh, you know, to have someone call a fake audible or something, and he'll, you know, just stand in place for five seconds while uh, while Kendall Wright runs right past him down the middle of the field. You know, easy touchdown right there. So there's your game plan. Absolutely, that's what you got to do. You gotta you gotta screw around with Chris Conti's you know ear hole or something like that. If he's if he's the guy wearing the mic or something, you know, you make sure that uh, you mess with the frequency and, and get it in there. So. Something to look forward to, at least. So, well, Lauren, I think we've we've covered it all. Uh, I don't think that we've given anyone any hope whatsoever for 2017. Um, but um, you know,
1: I'm it's there. It is it, there. It's there. But the hope is for 2018. True. That's what Ryan Pace is telling you. It's, yes. it's It's not 2017, but it's hey, the Bears have a quarterback that is going to lead this team for 10 years plus. That is going to be the savior. I mean, I mean, we heard that about Jay Cutler, but Mitch <laughs> Trubisky is not Jay Cutler. He's he takes care of the ball. He's a he's a smart. He's got an arm. He's just he's pretty much everything you want to see in a franchise quarterback right now. And he's got a year to develop. There's no pressure on him. You have a franchise running back who's doing things that Walter Payton did as a rookie. I mean, that level of ability, and then you've got a nice little defense here with a defensive line that looks really strong. Hicks, Goldman, Howard. You got some great linebackers. You got some young defensive backs that might might be something. You have an interior of an offensive line that's pretty darn solid, and you know you're sort of patching around the rest. But there's things here to like. There's there's reasons here to turn on the TV even when the team is three and ten. True,
0: true. And talk about a guy who is the polar opposite personality-wise of Jay Cutler. You know this. In Trubisky is who I'm talking about. I mean, the guy he seems like he's always smiling. He's always, you know, he's saying all the right things and all that kind of stuff as opposed to a guy who has the look about him that he would rather be anywhere else right now. You know, when he's talking to the press there, he, the, he, you can just see like in his eyes the list of things that he'd rather be doing as he's talking uh, to the press. And Trubisky is the polar opposite of that. So, I mean, he's definitely seems like a guy that if this thing hits and God help me, I hope it does. You know he has the 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 potential to be the king
1: of Chicago. He checks all the boxes. He does. As, as a Bears fan, that's that's the most encouraging thing, and I think that's the, that's what has to get you through 2017. If it's go, if it's going to be a rough year, you you at least have Mitch Trubisky to hold on to because you didn't have that last year. I mean, that's when true. they were when they were getting pounded by Washington. You just wanted it all to be over. But at least this year, if they're getting pounded by Cincinnati in Week 14. You can say, Mitch Trubisky, we're so ready for you next yeah. year. We're so ready.
0: <laughs> yep, Trubisky, suit up, dude. You're playing against the Browns. You know, let's let's see what we got in this kid. So uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see, you know. I, I, I hope that uh I mean it's I think that overall, I think, I think, hope, pray, whatever you want to work, I that it will be better this year. You it know, I, I, I can't imagine to. it being as bad than it was last year. And I sure as hell can't imagine it being any worse, but you know, so I mean that just far as, as far as maybe, I don't know, if, because sports has nothing to do with logic, but if you want to make it logical, you know, really, can it be as bad as it was last year? I mean, the fact is we aren't the freaking Browns. So that's just number one. We got that going for us. We are not the Browns. We're the bears for Christ's sake. And, you know things have got to turn themselves around, eventually. Not saying we're going to be a playoff team, but let's go out there and win some football games, for Christ's sake.
1: And I, I don't be surprised if the Cleveland Browns and the Chicago Bears finish with a similar record this year. I I do like what the Cleveland Browns are doing, as much as we we do like to pile on them. They've got they've got themselves a little bit of a roster there. They're starting to come together. So we'll we'll see if that game is even a uh, uh, you know a write in the Bears' name in pencil just yet, because. They might be able to win five or six games this year themselves, and and compete with the Bears. Maybe they maybe they get a slightly worse draft pick and push the Bears' pick up a little bit. We'll see.
0: Maybe, maybe. I mean, I I, I I'm with you. I do like what the Browns uh, have been doing, especially the last couple of drafts. And you know, they're they, they're 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 convincing some players to sign with them in free agency. So, which is nuts. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, that's out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, this is basically what the Raiders did, and look at them. So yeah. You know, they they could be on their way. So we'll see. I mean, as a kid, the Browns were one of the best teams in the AFC. So I, I would like to go back to those days of like the Bernie Kosar, you know, uh,
1: Sam Reticliano Browns, yeah, all those, what guys, are they called? Yeah. The, the the heart attack? No, not heart attack. The cardiac kids. There mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to but see anyway. that again,
0: you know, uh, the Kosar and Elway in the AFC championship games, that's classic stuff. So anyway, I'm going to let you go, Lauren. Uh, thanks so much for hashing this out with me. And, uh, Selling me on your side of things while you were why you were of the mindset that you were when it was the last thing on earth that I wanted because and that was the reason that I wanted you on, because you saw, I know that you saw the reaction of the Bear fans in Soldier Field moments after Trubisky's name was called, and you and Brian and Phil were were the only people that I could think of that were the opposite in that moment, correct?
1: Yeah, I was I was still just as shocked as everybody else especially when they traded up and, and and got him but I I was at least happy with it. I wasn't I wasn't booing. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't booing either. maybe
0: I was boo-hooing uh you know just because I thought like all hope was lost at that moment but uh you know it uh it is what it is. But uh thanks again. Uh, for being on the show, um, it's always been a great time to have you on. We always get long-winded and talk way too long, but hey, what the hell, right? We're talking about the Bears, so of course we got plenty to talk about, good or bad.
1: Yeah, we make our own rules here, but it's always a great time. I'm I'm happy to be on.
0: Absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll we'll have you back on during the bye week, and once again, it's dead set right in the middle. So eight games above, eight games after, and uh, we'll review those that that gauntlet that we're going to have to run in the first eight games and and see where we are and maybe we're having a conversation about, you know, Mitch Trubisky cuz we're the 1 and 7 bears right now or the 0 and 8 or 2 and 6 or whatever the hell we are, you know. Get Trubisky ready. Let's play the Packers week 10 and and see where we can go from here.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling it'll either be wow, Mike Glennon is amazing or wow, Mike Glennon needs to be on the bench and Mitch Trubisky needs to be out there. But either way, it'll be a good time.
0: Right. Or actually, could it possibly be, wow, Vic Fangio's doing a great job as head coach since, we got, since John Fox got fired when we were 0-6? Yeah, I,
1: I have a feeling that, that that's a strong possibility this year. I just don't know if it's going to happen by the bye week, or we might be talking about the move that the Bears just made yesterday, you know, right at the bye week. But we'll see. You never Good know. Times. This, this
0: season is yeah.
1: has a huge spectrum of possibilities right it's, now,
0: and that's what's exciting and frightening about all of it. So well, you know, equally. I, yeah, equally on on either side, it's just as scary as it is exciting. So we look forward to having you back on, then, uh, uh, Lauren. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter? Where can we read your stuff?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Cox Sports One. That's C O X Sports One, like Fox Sports One with the C. Uh, I, I write for BearsWire.com. You can check out my stuff there. I am also work for Pro Football Focus, do some writing and some analysis stuff there too. So I, I'm around, but uh, Twitter's the main way to get at me. Awesome.
0: So thanks again for being on the show, Lauren. We look forward to having you on mid uh, midseason, see where things are at. So Lauren Cox from BearsWire.com helping us preview these 2017 Bears and uh, holding our hand along the way. I reminisce for a spell I say things back 20 Ago to, to keep it on track. The birth of a child on the 8th of October. My toast. When my granddaddy came sober, count all the fingers in the toes. Now I suppose you hope little black boy grows. When we reminisce 18, about the 2017 season, will there will there be fond memories? Will there be bad ones? Probably both, but hopefully it's more on the fond side than it is on the bad side. And these t- these bears surprise us i will be happy to be so wrong about the outlook that lauren and i just gave you uh to 2017 i mean it basically it it feels like ryan pace was like yeah yeah we got a 2017 season but 2018 that's the one you want to watch for that's the 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 attitude we kind of feel like we've just been subject to uh for the last several months throughout the off season so um you know that's why we're kind of down on things but you know we're bear fans so we're here to support we're here to root for him. We hope we can win and win a lot more or at the very least, at the very least play better than we did last season. So that was a long, long year. So, um, you know, here's to that. And uh, thanks again to Lauren for being on the show. Look forward to having him back on during the bye week. After that first eight week gone that we have to go through, what kind of conversations will we be having about those eight games. Will it be like, "Holy crap, we're 4 and 4 and we got a chance to make a run at this thing in the second half with the divisional games and the, you know, the lighter schedule that we have theoretically going into the second half of the uh in the second half of the season." So, we'll see which one of those conversations we're going to be having about uh well, this season's going down the tubes, so Tell Mitch to strap it up and see what he can do against Green Bay. Or will it be like, holy crap, Mike Glennon has been a revelation at quarterback for the Bears. And can you believe Marcus Wheaton is one of the top receivers in the NFL right now? Or Adam Shaheen, what a pick that kid turned out to be, whatever. Or it will be, you know, man, John Fox fired after a 1-7 in seven start to the season. Vic Fangio's the new head coach or, you know, any other kind of madness that could take place if this thing goes sideways uh, on the Bears. So, you know. Only time will tell. And I'm hoping it's it's good and positive conversations that we're having uh, about the Bears and those first eight games by the time we have Lauren back on the show to review the first half of the season. So, you know what, folks? This is it. This truly is the end of the road here. Um, we've come to the end. Um, 14 up, 14 down. And I did it all in just under two months. The first show was May 23rd. Today, most of, today is July 18th. Most of you will be hearing this on July 19th and beyond. So in just under two months, I've talked to, hmm, well, I mean, we've done 14 shows. We had two, two shows with two people. So I guess that would be 14 plus 16, 16 guests on the show in 14 shows in just under uh, two months. And, uh, you know, it was a blast. I really did enjoy doing these shows and, and talking to talking to other passionate football fans supporting their teams and and you know talking themselves into the same delusions that we bear fans are going to try to talk ourselves into or the crazy optimism that you have when your team is supposed to be you know taking that next step like Tampa Bay supposed to you know the hope that you have when you're a Panther fan and you're hoping that it's more 2015 and a lot less of 2016 or if you're a Falcon fan hoping they can rebound and make it back to the Super Bowl and get it right this time or if you're a, uh, the Saints fan, hoping that Drew Brees has got more one more in him. You know, you're a Steeler fan, hoping Big Ben can get you back to the Super Bowl, Cleveland. Just hoping you can stop being Cleveland for Christ's sake. You know, be more like the Cavs, and less like yourselves. You know, what I'm saying more like the Cavs and the Indians. Make it to the championship. See what you can do. Uh, you know, who else? The Ravens uh, hoping you can bounce back to your former glory and the Bengals to, to, to reclaim their rightful place atop the uh, the AFC North throne. And then if you're the 49ers or the Eagles, um, you know, out for blood there and to improve your football team uh, and so on. And then here we are in the NFC North. Um, you know the optimism that Matt Stafford is going to keep being Matt Stafford and doing his thing, and that your defense remembers to play some football from time to time. If you're the Packers, you pray to God Aaron Rodgers keeps being Aaron Rodgers and he keeps himself healthy so he can just keep being Aaron Rodgers over and over again. And for the Vikings, you know the defense comes back, the running game re- rediscovers itself, and and uh, you know Teddy Bridgewater has a miraculous recovery, and then Sam Bradford uh, leads the way while we wait for that. So. And then we here at Bay- in with, uh, with the Bears, I just want everyone to be healthy for Christ's sake. I mean, I, I want the Bears to have an honest shot at this thing, you know, as opposed to constantly trying to put the pieces together to, you know, to, 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 to super glue or, you know, Elmer's old school Elmer's glue our football team together just to play the game on Sunday and see what this ragtag of misfits can do against the football team that is way healthier than we are. I mean, they're already more talented than us, now they're also healthy as well. They're not playing shorthanded like we are. I mean, I if we could just minimize the injuries, I feel like we'll have a much better season than we have because that's been the cloud over 2015 and 2016 is that honestly, how much better could we have been had we had a fully healthy football team on the field? for more majority of the season. I mean nobody finishes the season healthy or 100% healthy or or anything like that, but the you know the teams that tend to make the playoffs are a hell of a lot closer to 100% than the Bears did when they were 3 and 13 uh last year. So I mean when we're trying to piece together a wide receiving core, putting guys out there that have no business doing it, when we've got a, a guy that was uh you know, in Matt Barkley being the starting quarterback for the last 7 weeks of the season. Uh, and everything like that, or Brian Hoyer's, you know, going to be our savior holding the team together while Jay Cutler is injured and, and all the rest of that stuff. Having to play without Kyle Long for half the season and Alshon Jeffries, you know, being Alshon Jeffries and Jarrell Freeman's getting suspended. Danny Trevathan blows out his knee. Lamar Houston blows out a knee. So I mean, it's just one after another. Eddie Goldman's banged up and can't stay in the, the lineup and everything else, so, you know. Keep us healthy. God, keep us healthy. Please keep us healthier than we were last season. Give us an honest shot at this thing to see if we can beat, beat you know, put our best against their best instead of their best against what we got. You know what I'm saying? I would really prefer, to, you know, to see what happens if, if the Bears can, uh, you know, keep it together health-wise uh, this season to see what happens then. So. Anyway, that is going to do it for me. The next time that you hear this sweet sexy voice of mine will be uh when I am reviewing week 1 of the preseason after the Bears take on the Broncos just a few weeks away. I mean, it's you know 21, 22 days away, something like that. I mean, it's it's not far from now. The Bears and the Broncos uh kicks things off. I think it's August August 10th or 11th, something like that. I think it's a it's a a Thursday or a Friday, August 10th, August 11th. That second weekend in August is when I'll be back pr- reviewing the bears and the Broncos. And, um, you know, we'll see, uh, how many of us made it healthy out of training camp and, uh, how'd that first game go? I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about as far as what did Trubisky do, uh, in that first game. If he has signed his contract, that is, and, uh, you know what Mike Glennon did in his, uh, limited duty. And, what else we can talk about with this rookie class and this, this uh, you know, this, this uh, plethora of free agents that we have joining this team. So um, I look forward to that show very much and then what uh, what we'll look at after we've got some, some more Bears football under our belt, the first game of 2017 in the preseason. So, you know, look forward to that very much. So until then, my name is Larry D. Enjoy the rest of your summer. This has been the Chicago Bears review. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast.
1: Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader